Hey, welcome to the Joyful Courage Podcast, a place for inspiration and transformation as we try and keep it together while parenting our tweens and teens. This is real work, people. And when we can focus on our own growth and nurturing the connection with our kids, we can move through the turbulence in a way that allows for relationships to remain intact. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am your fearless host. I'm a positive discipline trainer, space holder coach, and the adolescent lead at Sproutable. I am also the mama to a 20-year-old daughter and 17-year-old son walking right beside you on this path of raising our kids with positive discipline and conscious parenting. This show is meant to be a resource to you, and I work really hard to keep it real, transparent, and authentic so that you feel seen and supported. Today is an interview, and I have no doubt that what you hear will be useful to you. Please don't forget, sharing truly is caring. If you love today's show, please pass the link around, snap a screenshot, post it on your socials, or text it to your friends. Together, we can make an even bigger impact on families all around the globe. I'm so glad that you're here. Enjoy the show. Hi, listeners. Welcome back to the podcast. My guest today is someone who is a friend to the Joyful Courage Pod, Dantuan DJ Johnson. DJ is a husband, father, author, mentor, coach, counselor, and sports statistician. He grew up in the Indiana foster care system, and yet, despite that, has gone on to lead a successful and fulfilling life. Before spending nine years in the foster care system, DJ suffered child abuse, domestic abuse, and emotional trauma. At one point, he wanted to end his life, but he realized that he was on this earth for a purpose. DJ fulfills that purpose by using his experiences not only to help establish relationships with the students he serves, but he helps parents better connect with their teenagers. We're so (laughs) grateful that he does. DJ specializes in helping parents bridge the communication gap between them and their child to ensure that their child has room to be their best versions of themselves. And you might recognize his name because he was featured in episode 293 of the Joyful Courage podcast. I'm so glad to have him back. Welcome. Hi. Hello there. Yay. I'm so glad to have you come on again and to connect, yeah, around the work that we both love. I know. It's so funny because I was messaging you recently, not even like, to petition to come back, but just genuinely like into a couple of your latest episodes. And I'm like, and it's crazy for me, like when I know people that have like there's certain friends that I have that have podcasts and when I listen to them and I hear something amazing, I message them immediately like, oh my gosh, this, right? And you're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, oh yeah, I'm no, listening no, to no. your podcast. Listen, <laughs> keep doing that because those of us that are behind the mic and putting stuff out there, you know, we don't know. We just throw, I mean, yeah. for me, I just throw it out there. And so yeah. anytime anybody comes back and was like, yes, I totally resonated with that, especially yeah. a peer and a colleague and a friend, oh, yeah. like it just, it means so much that you even listened and let alone appreciated what I had to say. So yes, thanks for of that. course. So yeah. So then you were like, oh my gosh, uh, why don't you come back? And I'm like, come back. Yeah, let's yes. do it. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And I'm so excited about what we're going to dig into. But before we get there, can you let the listeners know a little bit about the work that you do with teenagers, how you show up in the world with and for teens and their families? 
Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was thinking when you were reading my bio, the last part about being a sports statistician, and I'm like, it seems so irrelevant to like <laughs> this parenting world and space. And I was like, should I take it out? And I'm like, well, maybe there's a dad out there who's like, his ears perks up when he hears the sports side, and then I can reel him in and talk yeah, yeah. to him in that way. But anyway, speaking of sports, I think the last time I was on your podcast, I was still working at Fox full time. Mm-hmm. I am no longer working there. I am full time into my business now. And that is working with students and parents and families. And so Mm -hmm. what I do is three days a week, I go to high school campuses, two of them, and I meet with and counsel students, high school students, ninth through Mm -hmm. 12th grade. And they always ask me like, what type of student do you see? And I'm like, well, my target student is the student that typically wouldn't come to counseling that typically wouldn't be open to therapy or anything like that. And so I work with those types of students in all types, really, but those are kind of like my avatar student. And so Mm -hmm. that's the day part. And then we have currently about five, six works, parenting workshop series going on right now. And so I do three of them, I believe. Mm -hmm. And then I have a colleague that does two more. And so, yeah, we are busy, busy trying to impact and connect with this community that we inhabit. So that's what I do. Well, I so appreciate your role in the schools. I have so many clients whose kids are clearly, you know, struggling, having a hard Mm -hmm. time, really insular and won't go see anyone, you know? And I think that there's, I mean... I'm imagining that you're really attractive to the kids that you pull into not only your background, but you're mm-hmm. young and seemingly cool <laughs> and hip and you're not some stuffy middle-aged, right. you know, white guy yeah. right. <laughs> or white lady who's like, well, <laughs> let me tell you what you're doing wrong. Like, right. <laughs> I love that you're on campus and that you have a presence. And I'm sure that the kids resonate so much with connecting with you and find that open door really appealing. So. Thank you for your work. Thank you. And it's a blessing just because I always make it a point to ask students, like, have you had counseling before? Have you Mm -hmm. received therapy before? And a good portion of them haven't. And so it's pretty cool for their first experience to be with me, a person who's like, hey, come into this space. You're safe here. I want to listen to you and hear you and Mm -hmm. be in this space with you as much as possible. And there are some that are like, I had therapy before, but I didn't like it. And so they didn't have a bad experience. And so I get the opportunity to try to repair that relationship with therapy, with counseling. Yeah. So yeah, I have a lot of fun in the schools. I'm trying very hard not to fill my schedule completely. Right now I'm at three days and there's been a temptation to do more, but I know, oh, I man. like it where it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's there's no shortage of demand, I'm oh, sure, yeah. for your no time. No doubt. For sure, for sure. Okay, well, last time you were on, we explored what you call new school parenting versus old school parenting. And mm-hmm. to me, that basically is moving from that punitive, kind of yeah. more traditional model into a more relationship-centered model. So we're going to carry on in that theme. Mm-hmm. And dig into something that I think is such a potent word (laughs) for parents, especially parents of teenagers, which is respect, specifically mutual respect. And, you know, there's definitely an old school mindset around respect and a new school model of this concept. Mm -hmm. What would you say are the differences there? I don't know why I had the urge when you were about to say respect to sing the 
R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Find out what it means to me. Yeah, they're all about to find out what it means to us. So you're right. welcome, listeners. <laughs> uh, no, but like the old school motto of respect says, I'm the adult. I am the person in charge of this home. You will respect me no matter what. And it made sense in the moment. And then I think as I got older, personally, and then as I kind of observe teenagers and what tends to be the rift between teenagers and parents is that, okay, you are demanding that I respect you, but you're flawed and you make mistakes and you don't reciprocate that respect back to me. And so it's not making sense for me to respect you, but you not give it back to me. And I don't know what it looks like. That was kind of how I view the old school way. It's like, respect me at all costs, no matter what I'm doing, even if I'm cursing you out or even if I'm hitting you, like, respect me. And it's like, right. okay. But when I go out into the outside world, it doesn't make sense because am I just going to expect all adults to hit me when I'm not respecting them or, mm-hmm. or yell at me or whatever it might be? And so the new school way of looking at respect is like kind of throwing out that old hierarchical outdated way of looking at respect. Yeah. Yeah. And just saying, how can I show up as respect and model respect and show my students what that looks like, my kid, what that looks like so that they can ultimately give that respect that I've been trying to Mm -hmm. force them to give me. Mm -hmm. And the perfect thing that happened to me and personally to really change my mindset around respect is when I first started working with students, high school students in group settings. And I've been working with students since 2009 in an after-school setting, younger kiddos, and it just kind of progressed up into where I am today. And I want to say around 2014 is when I first started working with my most challenging students in the high school setting. And I went into the space like, I'm the adult, you're going to respect me, like just kind of demanding that, but not really showing what that looks like. And then those kids, (laughs) those (laughs) students quickly let me know, like, uh uh-uh, this is not how this is going to go. And I quickly had to shift and say, okay, let me hear y'all out. What is it that y'all need from me? And honestly, what it came down to was me modeling and showing them what that respect looks like. And now, even if I have a student that comes into a space and they're disrespectful, I can keep my respectful nature about myself. And now I can approach that conversation like, hey, What's going on? Like, right. you're disrespecting me. I'm not giving you that energy. Is everything okay? Like, I'm yes. curious of what's happening here as opposed to like reacting, you know, getting yeah. upset by it. So that for me, that interaction with that first group of students who I wish I could go back and say thank you to because mm-hmm. <laughs> they really put me in my place. But it really just changed the game on how I approach students now. Like, I'm respect like to the smallest things, Casey, of like, I could be, let's say I called a student to my office and I wasn't there. I went to the restroom or something, right? And they were waiting for me. I'm going to apologize. Like, yo, I'm so sorry that you had to wait for me. Mm-hmm. Even though I called them out, even though I just went to the restroom break, like little things like that. Oh, I'm sorry that I forgot to see you last week when I was supposed to see you. Like for me, being able to do that has been huge. And then students, as you mentioned earlier, like they love and appreciate being around me because I'm treating them like the human beings that they are, but more importantly, because we're talking about teenagers, like the adults that they are ultimately going mm-hmm. to be. Yeah. So. <laughs> I love that. And I love, and, and really what I'm hearing woven in too is mm-hmm. modeling personal responsibility oh, too yeah. mm-hmm. inside of that. So in the 
you know, the positive discipline book, mm-hmm. the main book, Jane Nelson writes about, you know, this shift into a different way of parenting and puts it in this framework of, you know, in the 50s, it was dad went to work and dad, you know, the boss said jump and the dad jumped and then came home and, you know, mom listened to dad say jump and mom Mm -hmm. jumped. And that like that was modeled and that was the framework Mm -hmm. that held this vertical top down approach together. And then as the 70s, 60s and 70s were, you know, showed up and women's rights movement and the questions of, you know, wait a minute, I can be empowered and I can, you know, I can ask to be treated better. Actually, I'm going to demand to be treated better. And the civil rights movement, like everything that showed up in the 60s and the 70s really, you know, shook up that model. Mm-hmm. And so it makes sense that the kids are now like, wait a minute, why do you get to be a dick? You know, like, (laughs) hold up, you know? And I love the hearing about that first group of kids too, because I'm imagining that we're also a group of kids that had a long history of adults Mm -hmm. in their life, letting them down and not showing up. And, you know, and so it was like, oh, here he comes, here comes another adult. And so for you to really take the feedback and grow and pivot and try something different is telling, you know, about Mm -hmm. who you are and what a gift for them to see something different. And, you know, in positive discipline, because that's my background, Mm -hmm. we talk about mutual respect as, and it showed up in your share, I'm going to respect myself and the situation, and I'm going to respect the person in front of me, the human Mm -hmm. in front of me. And it's also fits inside of this being kind and firm, Right. And some people kind of misunderstand kind and it's like, oh, you have to be nice all the time. No, No. that's not what it is. Be real, (laughs) but connect like, like that example of somebody showing up and being what can feel like getting that energetic hit of Mm -hmm. like, oof, you've got, you know, instead of like, how dare you talk to me like that? Yeah. We can shift into, oh, I felt that little dagger. And so that's an indicator. Mm -hmm. What's going on with you? You know, what's going on with you? Where can we? And I think that is so, it's so simple and so profound and so challenging for parents, right? To let go of that. Like, I can't let them treat me a certain way. Yeah. So what do you hear? Like, what do you, what comes up for you with parents and families around this concept of respect and helping them shift their mindset? I just... Because I feel like the new school way of parenting, where Kaylee Kukla, I was on her podcast and we we were talking about the old school, new school way. And she brought up a point that really has resonated with me. And I always make sure to credit her on this. She said the old school way was heavy on the responsibility being on the child and not as much Mm. on the parent. Like the child needs to show up and do well in school, behave, do everything right, stay out of trouble, right? Like that's the responsibility that we put on a child in the old school way model. The new school model says, no, I need to put the onus back on me as a parent to show up in a a certain way that I allow my child to have space to grow and understand and learn and go through the process of growing. And, And to even further hit that point home, like for me, as parents, because we have gone through the game of Monopoly, we know how to play it. Some of us have won the game. Some of us have lost. But the reality is we know how to play Monopoly. And what we're trying to do with our children, our teenagers, 
children, whoever, we're trying to show them, hey, this is how you get to Park Place and this is how you get to this part of the game and this is how you avoid jail. And it's like all the kids want to do is play for themselves. Mm-hmm. And so as parents, our role in helping our kid play Monopoly is just giving them the instructions and say, OK, here's the instructions. Go play it. We're trying to say, oh, I gave you the instructions, but here's some other things that I want to give you. And we're trying to control the situation. Right. And kids, at the end of the day, students, teenagers, all they ultimately want is for the opportunity to live their lives how they want to live it. And I know that sounds like the way that I'm trying to break it down is like, we've lived our lives and we're trying, because we've lived our lives, we're trying so hard to help them live theirs. And the reality is just like you've lived your life, let them live theirs with you alongside, with you guiding them, with you pushing, you know, like helping them along the way. In the same thing with the respect model, it's like we have been taught what respect was in some form or fashion. But Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, when I think of families, when I think of trying to adapt to a new way of being with our kiddos, it's about what does respect look like for you? How do you show up with respect outside of your relationship with your child? Because I always challenge parents on this. It's like, look, every relationship you cultivate. You cultivate relationships with your friends. You cultivate relationships with significant others. You cultivate relationships with your coworkers, your bosses. Everybody gets the benefit of being able to cultivate that relationship except for the child. You don't mm-hmm. want, for whatever reason, to cultivate that relationship and do the things that will make that relationship better. And for me, respect, it starts with respect. It starts with how do I respect my child and their boundaries and the different things that are there for them? And how do I want them to show up in the world and be able to respect others when I and my home have established that I don't even want to respect their boundaries and the different things that are happening for them? So my son, who's now five, will be six in June. He recently, uh, it's been a couple months now, so thankfully I've been on the right track with him. But (laughs) one day uh, I got a little frustrated and I might have been yelling or got a little loud with him. And he just stopped me and he was like, if you keep talking rude to me, I'm going to talk rude to you back. And I was like, you know what? You're right, buddy. <laughs> Let me clear my Thanks tone. Thanks for putting up the mirror, right. babe. I apologize for talking to you that way. <laughs> yeah. And I know old school parents are like, ah, I'll never, I'll never. And it's just like, he's right. Like, yeah. outside of my home, is that going to be the expectations that just because I'm their adult, I'm going to talk to my kid any type of way or talk to a kid any type of way? No, like we want to mirror in our homes what we hope and want for them to have outside of the home. And that is modeling and being respectful. And I think when we think of the old school, new school model, it's just like, I'm going to force you to be this way. And I think the new school is like, like, no, I want you to just be that naturally. Yeah. This podcast is sponsored by Factor. Are you old enough to remember TV dinners? They came in those tin trays and each part of the meal had its own little compartment. I remember eating those and watching Happy Days, followed by Three's Company, maybe a little Laverne and Shirley. I am that old. Well, the situation has been totally upgraded by Factor. Factor makes delicious, ready-to-eat meals. And unlike those quick meals of the past, every 
meal from Factor is fresh, never frozen, chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including meals that are calorie smart, protein plus, and keto if that's your thing. Also, there's more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. In my last order, we got red chicken chili tamale bowls and Italian sausage pizza casserole, as well as other delicious meals that my family loved. Plus, there's breakfast and smoothies and all sorts of other add-ons to make life simpler while also keeping it healthy. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. They've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Right now, head to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use code joyful50 to get 50% off. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50 to get 50% off. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. And I wonder too, like there's a worthiness, like worthiness is coming up for me too. And releasing that responsibility, because when it's an exchange, when it's a transaction, right? I'll respect you if you respect, if you respect me. Exactly. Right. Then like, I don't know. And I'm just kind of like following this little thread Mm -hmm. when we can do our best because we're imperfect. Everyone. Okay. We're imperfect. So we're going to screw it up and get Mm -hmm. emotional and be triggered. All those things are human nature and we have tools to navigate that and clean things up. Mm -hmm. But when we can sit inside of, I'm going to respect the person in front of me. Yeah. Regardless. Yeah. There is also this intrinsic, like you child human are worthy of that. Mm -hmm. Like you're worthy of dignity and respect period. End of sentence. Mm -hmm. Right. You don't have to earn your worthiness. You don't have to earn dignity. It is a human, like it's what you get. And so what happens to those kids as they walk out the door Exactly. You know, we're not talking about entitlement. We're not talking about spoiling them and giving them everything we want. We're talking about your worthiness and dignity is intrinsic and alive and a part of who you are. And when we can walk out the door with that intact, I mean, 
That's yeah. it, right? Yeah. I'm huge on how we treat our child now, how it translates five mm-hmm. years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. And to your exact point, like if we establish a way of being in our home where our child has to earn our love and earn our respect and earn our trust, how will they show up in relationships with others? Do they feel like they need to do certain things or be performative to earn the trust and love and respect of their significant other or friendships that they're in or maybe even other adults? Here's the biggest thing that I see in terms of like that top down way of looking at respect. The biggest issue I see is I run into a lot of students that are failing classes and Mm -hmm. whatever your relationship to school is, I kind of am like, it's a necessary evil. That's kind of where I'm at. But because I work at schools, that's just kind of the nature of the conversations that I have. And so a lot of the students are failing and depending on (laughs) the situation, I can understand why. Mm -hmm. But for us, the goal is to try to get them to graduate, try to get them to move on and really start to live their lives according to how they want to. But we talk about, you know, them failing and having multiple F's. And I always ask them like, hey, have you talked to your teacher? Mm -hmm. And most of them say no. And I know you're probably out there like, well, I don't think talk to teachers. It doesn't make sense. And it's like, well, I mean, if I'm at home and the adults in my life, you know, say stuff like children should be seen and not heard. And they don't give you that level of respect where we're having even conversations. And it's always a top down conversation. Mm-hmm. No child is going to be confident enough to go to other adults outside of yeah. the home. Yeah. That's They're the making decisions by, from you. Yes. They're deciding what all adults yeah, Must be like, exactly. And staying safe, really. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So they're like, I don't want to get yelled at. I don't want to be judged. I don't want to do all this things that typically happens at home. Right. And so I have to like kind of work through this with these students mm-hmm. like, OK, yeah, the teachers are here to help you. They're here to guide you. And even if they don't. Right. Like we can have a conversation around that and maybe we can get another adult involved to try to alleviate the situation. But like it's not baffling because I just know how the punitive old school way of parenting has created this monster in terms Mm -hmm. of them not feeling confident to talk to other adults, specifically teachers. Yeah. And I'm sure there's teachers who have been raised a certain way that- Oh, there's plenty. Oh, have shown that they are much like the parents that these kids are dealing with. So it's like, I don't even want to talk because that looks like what I deal with at home. Right. And so for me, at the end of the day, how we treat our child, what we establish at home, is the basis for what they're going to get or how it looks outside of the home, but more importantly, five years from now, 10 years from now, beyond. And so the mutual respect and just all the things that I feel like the new school wave of parenting based off of not like, oh, we want to treat kids better. It's like, no, the science, the research, yeah, all the things say like, yo, we got to get away from this. We're not just making this shit up, people. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And even better, like what's amazing about my journey in this parenting space is like, You know, I have degrees and, you know, I've learned some things, but it's just like, for me, really looking at my students, like I've started working with students before I really started to like read books on parenting and trauma and all these Mm -hmm. different things. And what's crazy is like, I've worked with the students and I started reading stuff and I'm having aha moments in my readings because it's like, oh my gosh, I see it now. I'm starting to put the pieces to the puzzles together. Like I can mm-hmm. imagine if I would have read stuff and then started working with students, I wonder how that would have been. But it's like, I'm working with students. I'm seeing exactly what these books, what the research, what everything is saying. And it's pretty impactful. And it is very important for us to at least have a conversation around changing the way we parent 
because I find myself, even in conversations yesterday with students, I find myself like, parents, like I don't have hair. I'm bald headed. If y'all don't see me, (laughs) like I would pull it out if I had hair because there's some frustrating things that I hear about parents and what they're doing. And for me, it's simple things that parents can change. Simple. Yeah. Well, I think too, like I'm hearing, yeah, but what I have heard and what I imagine Mm -hmm. might be showing up of like, but yeah, we live in a top-down society and Mm -hmm. school is a top-down system and you go to work and you have to perform and you have to earn accolades. Yeah. And I'm sure that you agree with me. Yes. And Mm -hmm. that's not how, like a kid that shows up inside of those systems Mm -hmm. with that intrinsic sense of worthiness and dignity is going to be able to navigate and hopefully be on board with dismantling some of those (laughs) systems that, you know, and I've mentioned this before on the podcast, I had a dad one time in a class say, okay, but when my kid's in front of a judge, the judge isn't going to be like, tell me how you feel and how can we problem solve? And I said, correct. The goal here is to raise your kids in a way that increases the likely or decreases the likelihood Mm -hmm. that they're not standing in front of a judge. Like, how about that? How about instead of being, you know, judge, jury, punisher Mm -hmm. in the household, we develop that intrinsic sense of dignity, respect, worth, so that when they make their way out into the imperfect world, they're doing it with their shoulders back and their head held high, and they're able to advocate for themselves in a way that isn't like inappropriately confrontational. Or, you know, because I think about students, I think about teens, the hurt Mm -hmm. of the disrespect that they're experiencing in the home shows up as defiance, right? Shows up. And in that process, like I'm thinking about your students who are Mm -hmm. feeling like, and kids that are really struggling in school and their disconnect around, this is actually for you. This isn't for me. This isn't for the teacher, Mm. but they're in this reactive, like screw you, or I'm not worthy enough to be able you know, this isn't for me. And to be able to help them change that narrative to how can I use this to create the life that I want? You know, I think that requires a certain level of I'm worthy of creating the life that I want, Mm. which can be like, I don't know, stepped back into how am I treated it with the primary adults in my life? And I will also say you are for those kids, you might be, even without the parent parental support, DJ, yeah. and you know this because mm-hmm. of your experience and history, all it takes is one adult, one yeah. healthy adult it does. to let a kid know that they matter deeply and to show them something different. So yeah, it fires me up. Oh, it does. I'm in. <laughs> and I want to go back to a point when you're talking about the dad, and, and I'm sure you've talked about this ad nauseum, like, and that... When we're looking at situations like that with our kids, like, oh, what's, what's going to happen when they're in front of the judge? Or what's going to mm-hmm. happen with this and that? It's like, that's fear-based yeah. parenting. And yeah. for me, I have decided early on, even in my connection, because I'm a Black man in America who's raising a Black son. Like, there's a lot of fears attached to that. And yeah. I just have well decided. Well-founded, too. Right? Like, exactly. well-founded. Yeah. But I just was like, you know what? Like, I can't operate in that. I have to operate in loving on my son and providing a safe space for him and 
if you know anything about my platform, what I deem safe for our children at home is beyond safe physical from physical harm. Like we're right. talking safe from your words, your yelling, safe to make mistakes and not be a huge deal, safe to be themselves, safe to call you out on your stuff when you're doing wrong. Like that's what I mean by safe. Like being able yeah. to have that safe space for my son, we've learned, me and my wife, of like, whoa, like how he shows up in the world outside of this home is amazing. Like we mm-hmm. rarely get any, you know, callbacks from his teacher and any other spaces that he inhabits. And he comes home and he's free as a bird and yelling and snapping back <laughs> at us, <laughs> all types of things. But we know that that is kind of, he feels safe to be able to call us out. He feels safe to talk a certain way and Mm -hmm. we you know we gotta say okay come on like this this is how you do it correctly right we can have that conversation but like being able to be safe and not operate in a fear-based like i don't want to have a think of a scenario where my son has to be in front of a judge no we're not even thinking that like i don't even want to think that right so yeah being able to just operate from like what do i ultimately want with my kid Mm -hmm. like throwing the society out like it's indicative of what has been established in society for all these years. And that is like, we're thinking of parenting, like, how do I make my son be a part of the world? And I think for us as in this new wave of parenting, we're like, I don't even like the world as it is. Yeah. So how do I make them be of it? Yeah. <laughs> but not in it or in it and not of it or whatever I'm trying to say. Well, basically what I'm trying to say is I want him to be and hopefully him being will either shift the world or he, he's able yeah. to navigate the world in his own little way. Yeah. And I hear too, like, instead of how do we get our kids yeah. to fit the world, how do we like right. just support the yeah. full development yes. of the yeah. human that they are? Yeah. Because that's the human that steps into the world and looks around yeah. and says, whoa, whoa, you know, there's something to be done here. I did a show a couple weeks ago, a solo show around Mm -hmm. holding the container. Or maybe it hasn't come out yet. (laughs) I'm getting ahead on my solo shows. And now I'm like, what did I say? When did I say it? So like holding the container. So the home is where your kid, my kids get Mm -hmm. to kind of stretch into some different things. And we get to, as the space holders, you know, be with that while also, you know, because there's the modeling, there's the modeling of, I'm going right. to respect you because you're a human. And then there's the, hey, you know, yesterday when you came in, and I'm sure you mm-hmm. probably do this with the teens that you work with, you know, you were full of fire because of that exchange that you had. And I'm so glad that we got to process mm-hmm. that out. And another way to come in and let me know that you need something like that could look like, could sound like. So it's not, and I want to be really clear with the listeners. It's not just like, take it, right? And then help them process what's under the iceberg. It's also like, hey, let's talk about what it can look like when you have a problem with someone. So I'm modeling it. And I think when we model that, when that's the person we are for them, they're going to be ever more open to also being willing to hear about, here's how this might look a little different for you. And in the side effect is, it's easier to receive you know, for the other person, like it'll be easier for the person that you're talking to, whether it's your teacher or your parent to receive when you can come in and say, 
oof, I'm having a really tough day and I just need you to listen versus <laughs> this, this right. is so stupid, right? Like supporting them yeah. just in their own process of being in conversation. And I think that's part of this overarching yeah. respect piece too. And to your point, right? like um, I had a student yesterday, she was like, oh, I have a question about like coping skills. And I was like, oh, did we? And I looked at my notes and I was like, oh, we worked on them before. And she had lost the sheet. And so no problem. We'll work through it again and maybe take a picture of it. And then this coping skills activity is not just like, oh, let's do a coping skills activity. Like, no, like we're trying to help you establish things that you're going to be using for life because <laughs> stress yeah. never goes yeah. away. And so I remember her saying like, yeah, it's just so hard in the moment to like remember to do my coping skills. And I was like, yeah, that's why we practice. That way we get better at being able to manage it. And we get to a point yeah. where when those things happen, we're like, oh, okay, let me take my deep breath. Let me do my distraction right. and let me do whatever. And so, yeah, even in your point, like we got to give them the opportunity and space to practice these situations and know like how to navigate certain things because they're going through life for the first time. And as opposed to like, yeah, hey, this is how you do it, kid. And it's like, no, like that's not going to really stick with them, you telling them what's really going to stick is the processing in their mind through conversation, through dialogue, where they're like, oh, okay, I remember us having this conversation. Okay, boom, let's do it. We're not having enough conversations with our kiddos. I heard somebody say, I don't like when you call them kids. (laughs) I'm like, okay. That's why I keep stumbling on like children or teenagers, but like- I'm okay with it, but it does mean goat. I had somebody point that out to me. Can we not call him? I'm like, okay. <laughs> it's, I guess the perks of being in yeah. this space, I guess. Yeah. But like being able to like acknowledge and allow them the space to just kind of like, all right, here's your opportunity to learn. Here's your opportunity to grow. And mm-hmm. we can have a conversation around how to do it better next time or move forward next, whatever it is. But like we're treating them like the human beings that are going through life for the first time. And instead of being frustrated that they're not getting something, we're holding grace that you're doing it for the first time. Let's grow. Let's figure this out. You're going to get better as you go on. Yeah. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. 
I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. So we've been talking Mm -hmm. about kind of like that external space of respect. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking about parents that I have worked with or that are telling me about the other Mm -hmm. parents. So oftentimes it's one parent who's really, you know, on one hand, perhaps the primary Mm -hmm. parent, Mm -hmm. and then they start doing things differently following the advice of people like you Mm -hmm. and me. And then the partner is like, what? What's happening here? And, you know, it's such a big ask because it's not only like what we say, but it's also, and you had brought up fear, that internal, like, because it is, I said earlier, like a dagger. It can feel like, you know, how dare you talk to me like that? Plus all the baggage Mm -hmm. that we've got, you know, energetically around how we've been treated and the declarations the energetic declarations that we've made about I'm never going to let someone treat me X, Y, Z for whatever the background story is. And then here's this young person, this unskilled first time around young Mm -hmm. person with the audacity, right? Mm -hmm. The audacity to talk back, the audacity to, you know, think they can put me in my place and reframing what's happening and shifting out of that conversation and into, oh, there's something going on with this mm-hmm. kid. It requires a lot of really deep inner work and willingness. It can feel like leaping over a chasm. So what would you say are maybe some stepping stones? Like if we were going to build a bridge yeah. from that mindset of, I had said no one would treat me like Mm -hmm. this. And here I am, my own kid, my own kid, (laughs) right? How do we start to build a bridge towards that place of what you said? Like, hey, it's first time around, right? And their emotions, by the way, everyone, Mm -hmm. as you've heard me say, at nauseum, teen brain development is real. It's not an excuse, but it's absolutely a place where we can lean in and have compassion and calm down. (laughs) But what are some of those stepping stones? Yeah, and- To your point on the teen brain development, like for me, it helps me make sense of behavior and like, it helps me to make sense of all things about life. But like in particular, when it comes to my child, when it comes to the teenagers that I work with, I'm able to really like sit with like, okay, something's there for them and it has nothing to do with me. So I think the first step for me is like learning, oh, this is not about me at the end of the day, Yeah, whether that's the stuff that I bring into the conversation or whatever stuff they're bringing to the table. Like, it's not about me. Right. God, that's so hard. It is. (laughs) But also like how I want to show up in the space, either with my kid or or otherwise. Like I've had parents tell me like, 
based off of the conversations that we had in the parenting workshops and the information that was given to them, like they have expressed being better people outside of just being better parents. And so like, Mm -hmm. because of their work around this parenting stuff, they are showing up differently in their workspace. They're showing up differently in their relationships. I love that. That's such a great moment, right? When they're like, oh, (laughs) this isn't just, this isn't parenting. This is like being in relationship (laughs) with people. Yes. I don't put it on the flyer because no one would come, but yeah. That's how it goes. So for me, like if you're taking the first step, you're evaluating, like, and I think it's so hard because we're so used to being a certain way. And I know I shared in the last time I was on with you, like me being in foster care and the abuse and trauma mm-hmm. that I experienced. If you're familiar with the adverse childhood experience, I literally was just in Texas presenting on the fact that I was an A score of 10 and how I was able to navigate oh, that okay. and manage through that. Yeah. So like for me, when I was going through that trauma, it felt like this is what life is. This is how it is. Mm-hmm. Like I accepted that as my norm. And as I got older and started learning more about different things. I didn't really learn about trauma until college, really. It really started to light like, oh, this is why there's some things happening for me. This is why I show up in relationships the way I do. This is why I rely heavily on alcohol or whatever it might be to drown out my problems or food in my situation. Like sometimes I'll be Mm -hmm. sad and I'll just be eating and Mm -hmm. I'll just have this random sadness overcome. Like we all just chalk that up as a bad day. We all just chalk that up as like, this is what it is. And then the reality is, no, there's something there. There's something present. There's something that has happened that you haven't dealt with, that you've stuffed deep, deep, deep down inside that you got to work through because nobody deserves to be continually dealing with your stuff that you haven't processed, that you haven't dealt with. And so for me, I'm challenging those out there who are struggling like, yo, deal with your stuff and really mm-hmm. have a real conversation around Did I get everything I needed as a child? I hear so many adults, the old school adults, who are like, you know, my parents, they whooped me, they spanked me, I deserve that, I did this. And it's like, I feel like you are forced to believe that you deserve those things. But I think ultimately, there was a point in your life where you wanted something. You wanted more from your parents. You wanted more connection. You wanted more love. You wanted it. And you just got to a point where you were so disappointed that you just accept it how things are. And I think as adults, I want to give you the power back to not necessarily accept what has been, but just move into a space of like, what do I want for my life now? How do I want to show up for the people that love me and that I love? And how I'm showing up now, does it work for everybody? Does it work for me? Does it work for them? And if you can't answer that confidently, then you got to start having a conversation around that healing. And I don't say that you need to talk to a therapist or anything like that. I mean, I encourage it. It's something that I've done. Yeah. No shame in that game. (laughs) (laughs) But just being able to say like something's off. Perfect example. I just was bragging about this dad in our current parenting group right now. And he's Spanish speaking. So I hear his story through the translator. And so how he came into the space originally, his wife was parenting a certain way. I think she had went to classes. I'm not really quite sure. But he's a typical dad, works, works hard. And he one day just kind of acknowledged and recognized that his relationship with his sons wasn't the same that their moms had with the sons. I can't remember exactly how he got to it, but basically he was like, I want to do something about it. And so he saw that the school was offering free parenting workshops. 
And so that's why he came. And just yesterday, he was just talking about how, like, he can't believe that there are not more parents that come to this because of this awesome information that he's been receiving. Mm -hmm. And so for a dad to really just kind of be in a space where he's acknowledging, like, wait, my relationship isn't what I would like it to be. And how can I do something about that? I think there are a lot of people who maybe have that conversation. And they don't necessarily put the onus and responsibility on themselves to say, oh, I need to, you know, figure out how to change this. Most parents who are in that situation where the relationship isn't good with their child, they put the onus on the child like, oh, they're a certain way or they're the reason why our relationship isn't good. And it's like, that's no way to be in any other relationship in our lives. If I'm not showing up a certain way to my friend, he's going to call me out on it. And it's going to be rightfully so. And for our kid, when we see that, we're like, it's their fault. It's like, no. What have you done in this situation? You only have control over yourself at the end of the day. So yeah, I went a whole way around to really try to encourage people to kind of navigate to this space. But ultimately, it starts with us. It starts with us yeah. asking the questions. Yeah. I just finished a book called Raising Free People. And she, Akila, mm-hmm. the author, calls it Mad Question Asking. Shout out to Biggie Smalls on that one. But basically, her point is like, I'm asking myself all the questions. Why am I treating my child this way? Why am I showing up this way? And you ask enough questions, you'll start to get the answers. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I'm really hearing in that story, like just the beauty of the willingness. Yeah. I had a conversation with Dr. Shafali mm. recently, which feels very <laughs> fancy to say out loud. We were talking about identity and when our kids come out to us and it conflicts with perhaps religious mm-hmm. beliefs or cultural beliefs. And I loved what she said. She said, you have to love your child more than you love this belief system. Yeah. And I'm hearing that from you too. Like, and because I think people get, and I see you in your social media pushing mm-hmm. up against the idea of this is how I was parent. I'm fine. Yeah. You know, we get to love our kids or be more attached to what we can create in our relationship with our yeah. kids than we are to the conditioning, the experience the relationship that we had or have with our parents. I was recently in a conversation with somebody that I love a lot about this, and he was really reflecting on not having a model of a deep, close relationship with the father figures in his Mm -hmm. life. And so, like, it's okay, right? It's not like this death sentence where, well, this is what you got, so this is what you give. Like, we can interrupt it. And that's what I'm really hearing you say. And that willingness and anybody that's listening, (laughs) if you have a partner who you think could use this conversation and they're now listening to DJ and I talk, like it's not about, you know, well, I was going to say it's not about being weak or soft, but there is a softening that can happen. And when we can soften and, you know, bringing it back to mutual respect, I feel like respecting the child in front of you, regardless of how they're showing up. There's a softening and there's an opening, mm-hmm. right? That's where the opening to relationship can exist. And recognizing like, of course I feel super pissed right now because yeah. they told me to F off. Of course I feel the way that I feel. Yeah. And learning how to manage that, learning how to acknowledge that, breathe it out, reframe. Actually, even before that, being willing mm-hmm. to say, oh yeah, I know why I feel this way. And then being willing to say, do I want to step into the dynamic that was so painful for me 
and repeat it here with my kiddo. I think that willingness to do something different is the first step. So I'm really grateful that you guys are out there doing your work in your community with moms and dads for sure. I know that we're running out of time, but oh my gosh, I love talking to you. Situational awareness is real too, right? Like we want our kids to grow and develop situational awareness. And depending on who your kid is and how they present in the world, it can be life or death situational awareness, right? And, you know, as I kind of was thinking about this question, staying in the both and Mm -hmm. of respecting self and respecting the person in front of me serves Mm -hmm. situational awareness. I read a book once and it was servant leadership and it really kind of changed the game on how I saw leadership. And really the motto was like, you be of service to those that you lead. The book started off with the guy who's like stringent, not great relationship with his wife, not great relationship with his children, really focus on work a lot. And the reason why he went into this particular, I think it was like a retreat or something, the kind of the basis of it. And during the retreat, he kind of learned over time what servant leadership was. And they talk about at the end, him, you know, changing his relationships and changing different dynamics of his life going into the retreat. And it really what it came down to is like being of service to others. And as parents, I mm-hmm. challenge us like, how do we put ourselves in position to be of service to our children? Because we always operate from the dynamic of, Wow, my kid needs to earn my trust. My kid needs to earn my respect. And it's just like, what does it look like for you to serve your child and what they need and how they're showing up? Like, what does that mean? And really having a conversation around that. And if you can lead from that space of service, of knowing like, hey, I'm here to guide you. I'm here to lead you. I've Mm -hmm. posted about this before. I'm like, so many of us are leading for the first time when it comes to being parents. We are leaders for the first times in our lives for the most part when we become parents. And mm-hmm. a lot of us don't have skills as good leaders. <laughs> we mm-hmm. are like the yeah. leaders that we get upset by in our bosses and our managers and the people that run our country. Right. <laughs> and it's interesting. Like I want us to look at that as us going into that space like with wonder, with curiosity, with care, because we don't know how to lead. We don't know how to parent right. at the end of the day. Like we right. don't know how to effectively do this. So why would we come into it confidently with the ego? You know, like why would we come in with, with a big head like, oh, I got this. I never parented before, right. but I got this and I'm going to do it confidently. Mm-hmm. And it's like, for me, I've chosen to say, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. So we're going to do this yeah. together, buddy. Like we're going to figure this out yeah. together. And that's me being of service. And are there ways where I'm going to lead my son because I know better? Of course. But like, I just was going to post about like, over the winter break, he was playing his iPad a lot and we didn't really care about screen time. It didn't bother us before. We didn't see it impacting him in the way that we thought, but over break, he was on it a lot and it was changing his mood and it was, I was starting to mm-hmm. see some things and I'm like, ah, so we're like, hey. Um, <laughs> Welcome to the right. club, DJ. Glad that you've arrived. <laughs> it was kind of like a wait and see approach as opposed to like, as in yeah. the parenting space, there's pressure to have every answer to every situation that happens with our kid. Mm-hmm. As if. Me and my wife have just been like, yeah. look, let's see what happens. And then we respond accordingly yeah. when it happens. And so when this screen time situation came up, we're like, all right, okay, we got to put some limits on this thing. And was he mad and frustrated? Of course. But like over time, we yeah. had to help him recognize. Like one day I asked him, I was like, hey, you've been playing your iPad all day. Like, how do you feel right now? And he's like, 
I think he was like, oh, I just feel like blah, I just feel like whatever. And I'm like, oh, okay. He's like, he's five, so he probably won't process like what that truly means, but at least we're starting the sure, conversation, sure. right? So for me, like just being open and just really like allowing the space to take shape. It just sounds so like yeah. hippie now that I'm like saying it out loud. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm here for it, man. I'm here for it. You're talking to the right but, girl. Yeah. So you want to hear the 17-year-old version yeah. of that? The 17-year-old version of that is that my son's not a big video mm-hmm. gamer. I mean, none of us are really video yeah. gamers, so it's just not really a part. I mean, he did had his whole Fortnite yeah. period uh, of yeah. time, but he likes to be doing things in the okay. world. Like he really likes in yeah. real life. But he recently downloaded Call of Duty mm-hmm. and he's 17, mm-hmm. even though I'm like, oh God, is there a worse? I mean, there are, but <laughs> I was like, oh, shoot him up yeah. games, not a fan, but whatever. He's 17 yeah. and he spent just like maybe two hours playing and he came out of his room. His eyes were so red that I was like, are you stoned? Like what's <laughs> happening? And he was like, what do you mean? And I said, well, go look at yourself in the mirror. And it was as if he didn't blink Mm. for the entire two hours that he was playing the game. So we've been having conversations around like, wow, that's really interesting. And how does it feel when you play it? And what happens to your sense of time? And so it hasn't been this big confrontational situation. It's really been supporting him. Right now I'm on the 17-year-old end of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. You're starting at five. And it continues as supporting him with, his own awareness around how does this affect me and my body and my emotional health. And again, mutual respect, right? I just want to say one last thing Mm -hmm. before we close off, which is that power of both. And Mm. I think that so often people, specifically teenagers are put in a position of, I either have to show up respecting myself or respecting the adult in front of me, right? And that, we call it in positive discipline, this dignity double bind. Mm. Who wants to let go of their dignity? If respecting you means I'm not respecting myself, that's a shitty place to put kids, right? And so grownups do better, do better, right? It doesn't need to be this, putting our kids in this choice of either or. Instead, it's really that both and, like, what does it look like? What does it sound like? How can we, like you said, practice the both and of respecting myself while respecting the person in front of me. So, oh my God, I could talk to (laughs) Days, DJ! Is there anything you want to add before we wrap up? Oh, I just, if you're listening, (laughs) you made it to this point. I just, as a parent who, you know, even before my son was born, like, I thought I would continue the punitive ways of parenting. And then I started working with students and I was like, whoa, this punitive model ain't working how they say it's working, right? Right. And then when my son was born, like my wife mentioned at the conference about how like somebody asked me like, you know, the healing, like what was my healing process? And it really expedited when my son was born because I started Mm -hmm. like seeing and acknowledging certain things and I'm like, whoa, like I got to do something. I got to change. You know, being able to kind of sit with and have a conversation around what that means and what that feels like for you and how you can progress and move forward. For me, like, I don't know if parenting this way is going to help my child, but like, I know that doing parenting in an hour is ultimately not going to serve my child. Mm -hmm. And so I got to think long game. I got to think marathon. I got to think, how are my actions today impacting my child five years from now, 10 years from now, 15 years from now? 
And I always say this. I don't know if you said it. I might have heard you before, but like, I feel like the best relationships that you can have with your teenager happens before they're teenagers. Mm-hmm. Just because you establish a foundation, you establish a way of being before they're teenagers. Because by the time they yeah. become teenagers, it's like you got to work that it's much tough. harder to get buy-in, to get trust, to get all of those different things yeah. that we're trying to get from our kiddo. And so, and the teen years can still look like a it really show. can. It really can. Yeah. <laughs> but doing that work, right? Doing that personal work that DJ and I have been talking about, and like you listeners hear me talk about all the time. Yeah matters like holding the container holding the space beautiful so i asked you this last time Mm -hmm. but it's a new day what does joyful courage mean to you today dj today it means being able to like listen to you know this podcast or be in a space with all the different parenting people that i follow like just for me it's like Mm -hmm. being open with the reality of how am I challenging the generational patterns that have been established in my home? And how am I like moving forward to change it and create a new pattern? You know, as a person who has been through so much, like I recognize every day how much of a blessing it is to be where I am, to be able to speak on platforms, to be able to speak at conferences and just kind of share my crazy traumatic story. For those that are out there, like I just, I don't want you to feel like what we've been able to accomplish in our parenting journey, me and Casey, like is foreign to you. Like it's absolutely something that is possible. And for me, like you having the courage to be able to change something that has been done in your family lineage up until this point will ultimately create that joy that you're looking for in your family dynamic. See what I did yeah. there? I'm a poet sometimes. I know, you really are. <laughs> I was going to also just mention as I was listening to you and thinking about you, the lightness, and I don't mean like light as in not a big Mm -hmm. deal, but the energetic lightness that you bring to this work that you have generated with your story and your history, like you are like the embodiment Mm -hmm. of joyful courage. And I just wanted to tell you that I thought that. Thank you. I think it's just... With all the healing and all of the yeah. opportunities to kind of share my story, I'm just lighter, right? Mm-hmm. I don't carry yeah. my story the way that Put I used to. Down. Oh, yeah. I feel yeah. so much lighter and I embody that. So thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. Where can people find you and follow your work? Yes. Um, first and foremost, DJ Inspires Parenting on Instagram. I also have a regular DJ Inspires All Instagram. If you want to follow my current journey, I'm actually preparing to... Compete in a bodybuilding competition. <gasps> oh my gosh, I'm going to tell my son. He's, gonna, <laughs> he's all about that. And I was just going to say, like at the start, when you were like, should I take out the sports dietitian? Yeah. I'm like, well, Ian, that would be what would intrigue my right. 17 year old. Like, oh, wait, what? What does he do? Okay. That so that's it. DJ Inspires All. Yeah, DJ Inspires All. Okay. On my Instagram page, I don't remember the number exactly, but I have a parent text community. So you can join oh, the great. parent text community. And sometimes I'll send you some inspirational, motivational stuff, or it's just a platform for you to reach out and say, hey, I'm dealing with this. Like, help me out, right? Do you have a website? DJinspires.com, which I actually just updated. It was like kind of wonky, so I fixed some bugs on it, but anyhow. It's less wonky. (laughs) Great. Listeners, as you can come to depend on, we'll have all those links in the show notes. This is so great. Thank you so much for spending time with me. Really good to be with you today again. Of course, Casey. Always appreciate the opportunity. Thank you.
Thank you so much for listening in today. Thank you to my Sproutable partners, as well as Chris Mann and the team at Podshaper for all the support with getting this show out there and making it sound good. Check out our offers for parents with kids of all ages and sign up for our newsletter to stay connected at besproutable.com. Tune back in later this week for our Thursday show, and I'll be back with another interview next Monday. Peace. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy The Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of The Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy.